Ross FM. Supported by City of Portsmouth College. We are passionately Pompey. It is a new era at Fratton Park. There's a new man down there in the dugout. What a goal! Oh, a wonderful strike! Pure, unadulterated Pompey. When you come from Portsmouth and live in Portsmouth, you grow up wanting to play for Portsmouth. If I can lead the boys to success and lead the team out, that would be a real dream come true. Action and reaction. Such a massive club. I'm so, so happy to be a part of this, this journey and hopefully get this club to the next level and where it wants to be. Giving Pompey fans a voice. That's what makes this football club so special is the fans. I'm not a Portsmouth fan, but I'm an adopted one now. I love this football club. This is the Football Hour. Fans' interest in this division peaked a long time ago and it's stagnating. We've got to get out of this division and into the championship. Well... Finally, we have a league game to preview again. After two weeks away from League One action, it's almost time to welcome the Blues back as they bid to remain top of the division. On tonight's show, we'll be looking ahead to tomorrow's visit of Carlisle United and hearing from Pompey Chief Executive Andy Cullen, who talks about the upcoming completion of a new Milton End. We're very much on budget. We are very much on time as well, which I think in the current conditions for construction projects, particularly the last few years, is a real tribute and testament to the contractors. And we'll also hear from head coach John Mussinio ahead of tomorrow's visit of Carlisle to PO4. He's been speaking about what he and the squad have been up to during the international break. With the cup games coming up as well, you never know what's going to happen in terms of the schedule. So, uh, you know, we wanted to keep them fresh. We had a full week to come in and prepare for this week and they came back in on Monday, a little reintroduction day and then two sort of heavy days of training Tuesday, Wednesday. And as well as those two, of course, we want to hear from you back home. 81400 is our text number on the show this evening. Start your messages with the word express. You can email sport at expressfm.com. Include at expressfm if you're on Twitter or visit facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. We want to know what you think about the potential return of Connor Ogilvy from injury. Does he come in to replace Jack Sparks or should Sparks remain in that left-back position given his recent performances? The same could also be said about Regan Paul and Alex Robertson. They're straight back into the fold for tomorrow's visit of the Cumbrians returning from suspension. Do they come straight back into your starting eleven? And as today is supposed to be proud to be Pompey Day, we want to know what makes you proud to be a Portsmouth fan? Get in touch between now and 7 o'clock. We've got the thoughts of myself, Jake Smith, my two guests tonight, Mark McGee and Joe Wood, to come over the course of the next 60 minutes or so. So strap in, stay right where you are, and a very good evening, and welcome to the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour. On Express FM. Yes, good evening and welcome to this latest episode of the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM. This season, the show is brought to you by Stagecoach Across the South, driving you affordably, affordably with comfort and with ease through Hampshire and along the South Coast as well. Track your next bus and prepay for your ticket by downloading the Stagecoach app on iOS or Android. With the international break getting in the way and temporarily bringing a halt to Pompey's charge at the top of League One, I'm pleased to say the Blues are all Almost back. Tomorrow afternoon, they welcome Carlisle United Fratton Park for match day number 13 of this new league campaign. That's the game for three of us here. We'll be looking ahead to tonight. But first, let's remind ourselves of how John Bassino's men got on last time out at home to Port Vale almost a fortnight ago. Everything we do is passionately pompy. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Shoot, 90 minutes of passionately Pompey commentary. He scored! This is... You wouldn't believe it! Pompey Live. 
And we are underway in League One. Portsmouth against Port Vale. Sparks, one touch, now delivers into the Port Vale box. And the far post lays free. And he's headed it wide. And he couldn't head in his hands, nil-nil. And at half-time here at Fratton Park, it is Portsmouth nil, Port Vale nil. Sparks might cross from here. Instead, he tries to go around the outside of Chislett. Now he'll cross. It's a decent cross. Loose in the area. Rafferty into the net. Bishop scores. It's Rafferty's effort that's pretty much hit Colby Bishop. He's only two yards out. There's no stopping him from there. Portland one, Port Vale nil. Fenders back. Oh, that's lovely from Rafferty through the legs. And into the penalty area. And Bishop nods it down. Loose. Bishop steps up and scores! Sends the goalkeeper the wrong way. Portsmouth are heading back to the top of the league as things stand. Two and four minutes from Bishop. Portsmouth two, Port Vale nil. Rafferty putting the ball down, chips a corner to the far post. Chance to attack, Ragger! Oh, that's a brilliant clearance off the line. Magnificent effort there. Kamara goes out to the right-hand side to White. Back to Morel. Morel delivers to the far post. Ragger's there! Oh, and he's missed, or I should say, Good it's save. well saved by Ripley. And the final whistle goes at Fratton Park. Portsmouth continue their unbeaten start to the season. They go back to the top of the league, having been briefly knocked off by Oxford United. Another victory for Portsmouth. It's finished here, Portsmouth 2, Port Vale 0. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Another win for Pompey, last time out in the league, then defeating Port Vale by two goals to nil at PO4 nearly two weeks ago. Now, that result extended their unbeaten league run to 23 matches and kept them at the top of the Skybet League One standings. Days later, of course, John Bassinio made six changes to the side, which went on to beat Gillingham 5-1 in the EFL Trophy at Fratton Park, leaving Portsmouth on the cusp of progression to the knockout stages yet again. And alongside me this evening to talk all things Pompey, I'm delighted to say joining us over the phone lines is Mr Mark McGee. Mark, welcome back to the show, my friend. Good evening, Jake. Happy to be here, please. Yep, happy to have you on the show, Mark. We just heard that the highlights there of the uh, dismantling of Port Vale a fortnight ago. Not the easiest to test for Pompey. Had to do it all in the second half, but nonetheless got the job done, extending their unbeaten record, which has, of course, carried over from last campaign. That's now 23 league games consecutively unbeaten. It, it equates to half a season. What what a phenomenal record that is. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And um, I think what we're seeing now, unlike in the past when we've had maybe a similar run or a run of games in which we haven't um, lost. <laughs> I think I think in the past there's been frustrations where we've either drawn those games and not actually turned enough into victories, but it's been very different this time around. And yeah, it's a, it's a pleasant experience being able to get down to Fratton Park and, um, you know, be almost expecting a win these <laughs> days. Um, it's, it's a feeling that hasn't really, um, that I haven't really felt since the League Two um, title winning days. So, uh, yeah, so it's a confidence that I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying having. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure enough man who will be very confident with Pompey start this campaign alongside us from the 1898 blog, Joe Wood, in the studio with us tonight. Joe, good evening. Evening, Jake. Lovely to be here again. Lovely to have you. Um, you just heard from Mark there about the confidence that's flowing through right now. 23 games unbeaten, top of the table at the moment. And you do go into games, admittedly, as much as you've got to be a little bit cautious with them as well. But you do just feel confident that Pompey will get the result over the line in the end, don't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said it just now, that's half a season cumulatively unbeaten. Well, actually, it's almost a quarter of this season done unbeaten as well. So <laughs> the confidence is probably not misplaced because you look at the table and, and we sort of always... We've, we've always been taught to, that after 10 games, that's going to be kind of where you're up there or thereabouts. And if you're at the top after quarter of the season, you've, you're one of the big boys. Yeah. Certainly there to be uh, to be knocked uh, off of the uh, off that perch as well. Uh, we'll come on to talk about the, uh, the visit of Carlisle later in tonight's show, Mark. We'll talk about their ambitions and wanting, of course, to be that first side to beat Pompey this season. But just in, in, in respect to this recent international break we've had, Pompey have had a fortnight off, of course, uh, not including that EFL trophy tie against Gillingham. How great is it for you as a supporter? You mentioned they have the confidence flowing because of this fantastic start to the season, but to be rid of this international break once more, to have the Blues back in action on home soil tomorrow, that's something I'm sure many have been looking forward to over the you know the course of the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's obviously very pleasant. I mean, um, I know that some League 2 and League 1 matches were played during the international break, so um, I kept up there a little bit. But you know what? This Saturday actually took me by surprise. I knew we were playing. I didn't even realise we were playing at home. So, yeah, it's a pleasant surprise. And, um, yeah, like you say, and like I've said, like it's... <laughs> It's it's something I'm really looking forward to more than more than usual. So uh, yeah, let's let's hope it's a good day tomorrow. Yeah, and we we speak about Pompey's start to the season there, Joe. Th- in, in your opinion, what's been the biggest catalyst that has spurred on this this you know incredible incredible start to the campaign? We know there's many, of course, Richard Hughes coming in, John Massino as well. Uh, fantastic start to his managerial career. The players would have come in, but for you, there was one defining factor which has overridden all of that. I think it's a visible mentality shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you watched Pompey pre- or previous iterations of Pompey, um, Cowley, uh, Jacket, etc., uh, going a goal down felt almost like a death sentence. Like that was it. You, I just, I just don't think you had this innate belief in all the players that they could go and get the goal back, and that the pressure of the crowd was going to not be a was going to be a hindrance more than a, a positive benefit to them yeah. and I just don't think this group of players has that sort of albatross around the neck they yeah. that they feel the tension mm-hmm. and they kick it up a gear and that's just something we haven't seen for uh, like Mark says probably since the League 2 title winning days yeah. so it does make it an exciting time to be a Pompey fan again it does indeed and we speak about statistics Mark and that 23 game unbeaten record 12 unbeaten I believe this season of course since the start of the campaign back in August but another fantastic stat um, from between the lines on Twitter the most points won from losing positions in the top four tiers of English football this season Pompey lead the way 14 points recovered Mark from losing positions to go on and get a result um, only Crew Alexander in second with 10 points level with Mansfield and Liverpool um, well they've not secured more points but they are second uh, joint, joint respectively um, Mark Joe mentions there the, the mentality shift and the difference when you're watching Pompey this seasoning even when going a goal behind that is further emphasised by that stat isn't it because it's a, it's an incredible turnaround and clearly but you know, whatever John Massino is saying in, in the dressing room or whatever he's trying to, to instil mentally as well as tactically is paying off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing I'd like to add is that Joe made a really good point there is um, 
the, the fans as well. I think the positive upturn in our form at the start of the season, I think we had to be patient to see the rewards of it because obviously the, the opening game of the season, you know, we got last minute equaliser. It wasn't, I think, what a lot of us were expecting, but I think the fans have been rewarded um, with some 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 tough performances um, that have got us some victories. And I feel like the, the crowd has actually been, a, I've recognised it, I don't know if you both have, but I thought like the crowd of the season, probably as a result of the we're playing and the, and the mentality of the players, the crowd has been massive like for me. Um, I, I feel like the crowd and the stadium atmosphere has been the best it's been in, in years. Um, so I think that's, and, and every player always talks about how crucial that is. And it can sometimes sound like a bit of lip service, but I really do think that's been a massive factor this season. Hmm. No, there's definitely been a, a sort of reluctance from people to get on top of players as quickly. Yeah. Um, I think we saw that a couple of weeks ago with, and we're going to probably come on to him later, Jack Sparks. In previous, again, I go back to it, previous iterations of a Pompey side, he would have just been battered yeah. from all corners. And that doesn't help anyone. It certainly doesn't help a 21, 22-year-old lad who's just sort of finding his feet in in league football. But we've sort of almost seen enough positives for these players to have that little bit more slack, I guess, that where, where fans are going, oh, okay, yeah, that didn't work quite brilliantly let's not hammer him yeah. which I, I do think we've maybe in the past been a little bit too guilty of sure um, Joe you mentioned a, a few moments ago Danny Cowley um, obviously one of Pompey's former managers he seems to be linked as with a lot of managers do of course um, linked with pretty much every single job that becomes available um, in League 1 and 2 in particular um, one that has opened up in the last 24 hours the vacancy at Lincoln City after they sat their boss, Mark Kennedy. Um, just sort of off, off topic from Pompey, but sort of not because you mentioned him, Danny Cowley. Do you think that's a perfect fit for him? We know he's been waiting, of course, well, for the perfect job. Without, we about? without fully looking into it, I would probably advise him to stay away. And I know that sounds a bit weird, but he did such good and positive things there. You don't want to ruin that. I, I think you, you run the risk of maybe tarnishing... Mm-hmm all the positive that you did with for example you go on a say he has a run like he had at the end with Pompey what are those Lincoln fans going to really remember are they going to remember the fantastic FA Cup run or are they going to remember the fact that this is a bloke that nearly took him to oblivion Hmm. so I would I personally I think again without fully looking into it I would would probably tell him to avoid it. Similar, I guess, but on a massively different level to Jose Mourinho at Chelsea. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> achieved yeah, so much, absolutely. went back, and all right, he still won the league, but. <laughs> yeah, Mourinho did a Mourinho thing. It was, yeah. You know, it was fantastic for 10, 12 months, and then the wheels fell off. That's what he does. <laughs> um, back to, well, actually, no, not back to Pompey, Mark. I'm going to drift away a little bit. We've been speaking about the international break, and I think it's only fair that um, on the topic of that, we do re- reference a little bit back to Tuesday. Night England um, securing their place at Euro 2024 in Germany with a 3 1 victory over Italy at Wembley. Qualified with two games to spare, Ukraine are now second in that qualification group and Italy a third for current holders, of course, unfortunately. Um, may not qualify for next year's tournament as they did not with last year's World Cup as well. Mark, um, I'm not sure if you watched the game, I didn't ask you beforehand because. <laughs> 
well, why not? I'm going to put it on the spot. Um, what did you make of that performance if you did watch it? But if not, um, how great of an achievement is it for England to comfortably beat the you know the current holders of the uh, European Championship? Yeah, yeah, I think I think a lot of people were confident of England getting that result. Um, I just think right now, and probably for the last four years, we unfortunately haven't capitalised on it. But we've we've got we've easily got one of the best teams in in world football at international level, if not the best. Um, okay, the best probably is reserved for Argentina, um, but I mean we've got to be up there and. I don't know. If it feels like last season with a player like Jude Bellingham, we were looking at a player who was still had some areas to improve on his game, but had a great future. But right now, uh, especially on Tuesday night, it's frightening to say we have a player like that mm. not in our ranks. You know, we've got two world class players in there who are the best in their positions, Jude Bellingham and Harry Kane, and there's not a lot of teams in the world really that have that in their arsenal. So, um, and then and then our players that are playing on either side or either flank. Um, <laughs> they'd, they'd walk into any Champions League team so yeah very exciting time to be an England fan I think we, you, you bring up Jude Bellingham there I think we kind of go through these eras of the greatest players in the world and I think you're we might be starting to see a passing of the torch from the likes of Messi and Ronaldo to someone like Jude Bellingham and I think right now he's probably the best player in world football based on form and it's it's just incredible mm. that England have that. Yeah. And I think that the fact that he didn't leave Dortmund to go to a Liverpool, Manchester United, whoever in the Premier League means that the whole country can appreciate him. So there's nobody's got a reason to dislike him. <laughs> and I think that's a it's a phenomenal position for us to be in. Absolute Rolls Royce of a midfielder, 20 years of age born 29th of June 2003 um, that makes even me feel old um, but like I say just a phenomenal footballer um, who is you, if, I'm, I'm sure you, many of you listening out there are, are aware made his senior debut at the home of football not Wembley, Fratton Park um, in a Carabao Cup match in 2019 for Birmingham City as a as a 16 year old against Pompey who won the game 3-0 might I add um, but yeah, great talent, and hopefully England can uh, can utilise his abilities and uh, go on to well, you never know, win some silverware. Starting off with the Euros next year, great chance to do it, isn't it? Got to be. We say it every time, though. <laughs> Let's hope for no heartbreak. If you have got any ticket stubs as well, by the way, from that Carabao Cup game against Birmingham from 2019, I've seen on eBay that if they're in good condition, they might bag you a bit of money, and I've got. A couple at home as well. Might sit on that for a while. You, look, Jude Bellingham might become even bigger. He might win Ballon d'Ors and World Cups down the years. I'm keeping that. Right, we're going to um, talk a little bit more about Pompey after break, believe it or not. Um, and uh, we'll also take a listen to part of CEO Andy Cullen's latest Q&A session with Max Swatton from the club's media team, talking about both the men's and women's team's respective starts to the season. We heard that on Monday, and after the break, we'll be hearing more of that conversation, where Andy goes on to update us on the Milton Emery development progress and reveal the next step of the master plan to increase the capacity at Fratton Park. We're looking now at the much bigger project going forward, which will be the extension of a north stand in due course and take the capacity up to considerably higher than it is at the moment. Certainly over 25,000 or more is very much the vision that we have in place, which comes as part of our bigger project to develop Fratton Park and develop the land behind it. 
More from myself, Mark and Joe, as well as the Blues Chief Executive there, Andy Cullen, when the Football Hour returns for part two next. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Go by bus. Go greener with Stagecoach. Next stop, a cleaner, greener future. Did you know that if we all ditch the car and switch to a bus just once a month for a year, we'd save the UK 2 million tonnes of CO2? Switch to bus, because by switching, you can make a big difference. Get on board a Stagecoach bus for a cleaner, greener future. For more information, go to switchtobus.com. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Welcome back along to the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM, driven to you as ever by Stagecoach Across the South. You can download the app now from the Apple App or Google Play Store or visit stagecoachbus.com for more information on the services they can provide in your area. You join myself, Jake Smith, alongside Mark McGee and Joe Wood for this evening's instalment of the Football Hour. And uh, this afternoon, or throughout the day really, we here at Express FM have been asking you what makes you proud to be Pompey. It is proud to be Pompey Day. Um, So I'm also asking you the question back home, but with a bit of a football twist, of course. What makes you proud to be a Pompey fan? 81400 on the text. Start your messages with the word express. Email sport at expressfm.com. Tweet at expressfm or post over at facebook.com forward slash Pompey live. Uh, I'm going to put you on the Joe. Uh, on the Joe. I'm going to put you on the spot, Joe. Not on the Joe spot. Although we should create a little Joe spot for you in the corner, shouldn't Ooh. we? For the amount of times you're on the show. Um, Joe, what makes you proud to be a Pompey fan? I'm, I'm sure there's many reasons. I think the thing that that I I think of every time is in 25 years of supporting Pompey, I've seen more things happen to to and with my football club. Mm-hmm than most fans would see in a lifetime of theirs. And that only Portsmouth Football Club could that happen. We've seen the highs, we've seen the lows, we've seen everything in between. That doesn't happen everywhere else. No. And that's happened in 25 years. Yeah. You know, it makes you... We've seen trophies, we've seen relegations, we've seen promotions, everything. Mm. We've seen everything. Mm. Multi-million pound footballers, guys playing for a fiver. We've seen it all. <laughs> Owners that don't exist. Exactly. Yeah, brilliant. Who'd want to be an Everton fan? Just sitting in the Premier League forever. Or them down nothing. the road. Or them down the road, yeah. Not winning anything. No, that's fair. Um, I think myself, proud to be a Pompey fan. I think sort of following on from what you were saying, just adding on to the fact that we've had the highs, but more importantly, when, we, when we've had the lows, we've recovered well from them and, and obviously the fighting spirit of for supporters. But... To be quite honest, well, not even just supporters, but the, the the people of Portsmouth that don't necessarily like the football, they still come in, come in their numbers to help support the football club when they are in, in, in dire need of it. And by God, we've seen many examples where Pompey have been in need of that support. Um, Mark, yourself, what, what makes you proud to be a Pompey fan? I think, um, to be honest, I think it's probably uh, similar to what you guys have said. I think um, what I love about Portsmouth and what makes me proud to be a Pompey fan is that it doesn't matter who you are or you know what age you are or what your life experiences is if you come from Portsmouth you're a Pompey fan you know there's not a lot of cities in the world where you've only got the one sport really (laughs) to support and you're almost like born into it you don't really get given a choice you come from Pompey you're a Pompey fan um and I also appreciate um what what Pompey does for me on a personal level I think without Portsmouth um you know, it gives me that thing to do on the weekend that I can't quite describe to anyone else, that feeling of, like, belonging and going somewhere with your friends and 
um, not just experiencing the highs, but also the lows. And yeah, it, it does a lot for you, doesn't it? There's, there's more to more to it than just the football. There is indeed. Let us know back home what you think uh, makes you proud to be a Pompey fan. And just again, in, in addition to what Mark's just said there, but it's, it's not just the action you see on the pitch, but makes you proud to be a Pompey fan or, or makes you look forward to going to the games week in, week out. But it's also the, the community and the supporters around you, the, the family, the, that real feeling you get um, when, you, when you make new friends at, at football as well. And yeah, I think that's, that's something that also makes me proud to be a Pompey fan. Um, somebody on the text hasn't included their name, so I can't credit you with this one. Uh, but they've said uh, there is more passion at Fratton Park than at any other football club. Well, we knew that. But yeah, you're right. There is more passion at Fratton Park than at any other football club. Thank you very much to whoever you are for getting in touch. Um, right, moving on a little bit now, Joe. And, and Mark mentioned there having something to look forward to at the weekend. And I'm glad he said weekend because it's not necessarily exclusive to a Saturday. No. Because sometimes the TV gods like to put Pompey on a Sunday. Now, we've recently had the FA Cup first round draw. As I'm sure you're all aware, if you're not, then I'm revealing this news to you now. Pompey have been drawn away to Chesterfield in the first round of the FA Cup. They've only met twice over the course of the last three decades. That was in the 2013-14 campaign in League Two. They were then, and now, managed by Paul Cook, who in between those uh, two spells at Chesterfield has of course managed Pompey and they do have former Blues players such as Tom Naylor and Michael Jacobs within their ranks with Gary Roberts as assistant boss as well and they're also top of the National League Pompey are top of League One it was inevitable this one was going to be moved to a different date rather than the regular 3pm Saturday time slot it's been confirmed today the game will kick off on Sunday the 5th of October uh, November, sorry. Sunday the 5th of November. We're not going back in time. Um, which, okay, is not the end of the world. At least it's not a Friday night or a Monday night. But there is a catch. It will be a 12.15 kickoff, lunchtime. 12.15. Um, Joe, your reaction to that one? We were speaking a little bit off air about this one. And there's a massive reason, totally understandable as well, why you're a little bit annoyed by that. Yeah. Um, firstly... I love the fact that Pompey are on telly. It was, like you say, it was almost an inevitability. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime Pompey's on telly, fantastic. It enables people that can't often go to see Pompey to be able to watch the team they support. Absolutely. Brilliant. Love it. The issue I have with this and moving it to the Sunday at the time they've moved it is it with a quick rudimentary search on the National Rail app, if you wanted to arrive to Chesterfield before kickoff, which helps. Which helps. Yeah. You would have to leave Fratton mm -hmm. at 22.48 the evening before. Mm, okay. How, how does that help <laughs> a fan? This is absurd. At what, sta at what station would they have to camp over four hours in, in the middle of the night? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I believe you're spending an eternity... Yes, you're spending an eternity uh, at Hove. Hove. Five hours at Hove. Not, yeah. not Brighton and Hove. Yeah, yeah, the very same. Oh, okay, so you're only going down the road. Yeah, you? and then okay. you're going to London, Victoria, Euston, Tamworth, Chesterfield. Lovely. Brilliant. What a horrendous train journey that would be. <laughs> so, so even having the game look, on a Sunday, yeah, it's not the end of the world because it's not a Monday, it's not a Friday. Typically, yeah. you won't have to get the day off work. No. Obviously, unfortunately, if you work Sundays, but generally the, the, the main consensus is if you want it on a Saturday or a Sunday, even if a game, Joe, was a 2 o'clock kickoff. That's something, and you could get there in time. Well, for yeah, it. yeah. You, if if you're talking a two o'clock kickoff, you can actually get 
the 726 from Fratton, three changes, you're at Chesterfield for 20 past one. Oh, easy. Which is more realistic. Yeah. And the Football League as a whole and the FA have to start thinking about the fans. Mm. We're constantly being told the fans go into the, to the games are what provide the, the, the money for teams. Thankfully, we're not in that position now. No. But teams like Burton, Carlisle, the teams that are going to have the smaller attendances, it matters. Now... Carlisle are bringing supposedly 700 this weekend. Brilliant. If this game was a Tuesday night, which is eminently possible... You divide that by 10. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Burton, over the last two years, have played Pompey on a Tuesday probably five or six times. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. Home and away. Exactly. No. It cannot carry on. And something we were talking about as well coming before coming on air, it was the FA Cup third round as well, which always falls in the first or second week of yeah, January. Yeah, first or second, yeah. Um, and quite often Pompey are away somewhere in the depths of Narnia. This season it's Carlisle, so if Pompey or Carlisle Well, that's February the, the 10th, round. so if, it's, if they get to the fourth oh, round, fourth round sorry. It's, yeah. that game could potentially be moved to a midweek. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I really, I, I think everyone looks forward to that trip, don't they? Maybe, maybe a little bit more sensibility needs to be looked at in the schedules. It's not entirely tough. And, and on, the, on the topic yeah. of fans not being valued the game this evening that was supposed to be on oh, yeah. sky yeah. uh rotherham versus ipswich has been called off with two hours to go before kickoff Lovely. um because of flooding around the the stadium uh, it's been raining all day you can't tell me that this has come <laughs> as news to people and rotherham is famous for not being around the corner from ipswich oh, exactly it's just a complete lack of respect for fans well, Joe, I'm going to let you cool down for a minute. <laughs> but no, absolutely spot on. Uh, if you haven't heard the news, Pompey away at Chesterfield on Sunday the 5th of November for the first round of the FA Cup. 12.15 kick-off lunchtime. ITV1 is where you can find that game. If you can't make it to Chesterfield, because, well, you won't be able to make it if you get the train. So You're taking a packed lunch and breakfast <laughs> and all sorts. Camping in Hove. Right. Joe, thank you very much. Mark, will be back with you again in just a few moments' time. But it's time now to hear from Chief Executive Andy Cullen. We heard from him on Monday talking about the Blue start to the campaign for both the men's and women's side. But now he's been talking to Max Watson about the Fratton Park redevelopment update, starting with the Milton End. When will the North Stand and Milton End entrance be complete? So, yeah, we're very much on budget. Uh, we are very much on time as well, which... I think in the current conditions for construction projects, particularly over the last few years, is a real tribute and testimony to the contractors uh, that we've used, to Steve Cripps and his team, so diligent in making sure that we can deliver this project and, and in the timescales that we set out to do. So, yeah, a lot of things are happening. I think supporters uh, have been coming in game by game, have been able to see the improvements uh, that have happened, in, particularly in, in, in the northeast corner of the stadium. The uh, new control room is starting to take shape. The seats are now installed in the, uh, that corner as well. Uh, the building work on the entrance to that northeast corner as well is, is coming on. So we think we'll get to Charlton and we will have 2,000 away fans, uh, assuming Charlton take that allocation, which they probably will. Uh, and that will be very much a test event for us. Uh, we then go into the Bolton game later in November and I would anticipate by then that we're starting to get to a stage where the control room is operational uh, and we should get to the point there. We certainly probably even for the Charlton game will have both entrances open and at that point we can then potentially start to put home fans into the Milton end as well. Um, we probably get to Bolton and we'll probably hopefully then have the lifts uh, operational which will service the 
North Stand uh, in terms of uh, uh, disabled, dis disabled supporters and those with um, you know, accessibility issues uh, and it will also service the uh, upper platform for the away supporters in the Milton and that will mean for the first time that away fans can watch a game with their supporters at Fratton Park undercover which the, uh, the corner, uh, that corner and that lift enables them to, to do. So that's really, really encouraging. I think then we could probably will buy that game against Bolton. We will, certainly going into the Fleetwood game, will be relatively compete, probably just a few components, uh, a few toilets that we'll still need to uh, finish off. Uh, the bars will all be in place, the entrances will be ready. Uh, the new uh, toilet block for females that services uh, the North Stand in that um, northeast corner will be completed as well. So we're getting to a really, really, now, really good stage now where you know, that first phase, phase of the project is, is, is swiftly coming uh, to completion. Uh, and that will take the capacity to just under 21,000, um, probably around about, I think around about probably 20,800 just over. But obviously we won't be able to use every seat because you'll still need segregation points between home and away. Um, so what I'm looking at with Steve and Marie is to try and explore every other single option where perhaps we can add a few more seats here and there. Um, there's going to be a few opportunities in the south stand. We've obviously got a temporary TV gantry uh, in there at the moment in front of the director's box. That too will become seating um, over time as well once we get the main gantry completed. Sticking with the Milton End theme, when the work in the Milton End is complete, which entrance will the away fans use? Would it be preferable to put away fans on the south side of the Milton End? Yeah, I, I understand uh, that question uh, and, and, and where that's coming from. However, uh, the, the, there are a few factors here that when you know, there was a lot of careful thought and planning and design that went into the Milton End, I think the first thing we've already mentioned is we need to get the away fans into a higher level and the only way we can do that is through the lift shaft. So the new lift that goes in obviously services that particular corner. We then um, have the fact that the away coaches uh, come in from that end and are dropped off, so they need to get to the most accessible point rather than come round the other corner uh, as well. Um, it's preferable but not essential to have your control room close to the away fans, so that's another factor uh, that comes into consideration as well. But I think one of the most important factors as well is actually if you look at the uh, design and the integration between the uh, Milton corner, uh, the, south, the south end of the Milton uh, side and the south stand sort of east side, you'll see that that actually juts out. So it would be totally inappropriate um, for away fans uh, to be able to uh, absolutely oversee and overlook what is our family section in that south stand as well. So, um, you know, we have to look at that and if we, we could do it, but it would mean more seats being out of use because we'd have to take those out of use to uh, not get that conflict between away fans and home fans in that corner. So wherever we're going to get it, we're going to get some sort of conflict between home and away fans. I get why the questions come from because it's quite lively in that section of the North Stand with the away end as well. But we're going to get the same issues in a different, from a different, um, a different set of issues if we came in from the other side as well. I think the other good thing as well is that um, we've obviously put a new um, kiosk and concession in that uh, space in the, in, in, in the southeast corner as well, but also a new merchandising unit. So what we'll be looking to do is move home supporters with season tickets into that section of the Milton stand, uh, which we hopefully will be able to do from the beginning of January on a half season ticket. Uh, and there'll be a kiosk in there. There's obviously going to be a better provision of female um, toilets as well on that upper level. 
uh, that will be serviced um, uh, you know, within the area which is currently occupied by the temporary control room. So lots of things happening in there, but uh, yeah, I, I get it. But I think a lot of thought and design, lots of different options were explored. That was certainly one, but we've come down to where we are. And uh, the beauty is we're going to get to a point where we can segregate home uh, and away fans in different levels. So if we only have five or 600 fans uh, turn up on a Tuesday evening uh, or a Saturday, we've got five different ways in which we can segregate the Milton. So we can you know, have our core of season ticket holders and then we can build uh, further along the way end from the segregation that will come within the stand and obviously on the back concourse as well. There have been multiple sellouts of home seats at Fratton Park recently. If the trend continues after the Milton end is fully functioning, what can be done to add capacity to Fratton Park? Yeah, I think the first point is um, the first the question I've just answered as well in terms of how we can, you know, dynamically make the Milton stand in for home supporters. Um, but I think this completes phase one of the project. As I said, there's potentially some extra seats that we're looking to do. We can add to, into the south stand, potentially other areas of the ground as well as one or two other areas. We just want to explore and see whether that works, whether the safety advisory group will give their consent to that as well. But I think we're looking now at the, the much bigger project going forward, which will be the um, extension of a north stand in due course and take the capacity up to considerably higher than it is at the moment, certainly over. 25,000 or more uh, is very much the vision that we have in place, which comes as part of our bigger project uh, to develop Fratton Park uh, and develop the land behind it. Is the installation of the South Stand TV gantry still going ahead? Yes, it is. Um, we're just working on timing at the moment. It's an expensive project, um, but it's also a very complicated project in that it requires very heavy cranes to come onto the pitch. Uh, to do all the steel work that goes across that gantry. But it's something that we will need to do in terms of the new broadcasting deal that's coming in from next season. We've got a, you know, a stay of execution on that um, gant an existing gantry at the moment, uh, but you know, it, it, it needs to be improved. So it's all very much part of the architecture. It finishes that particular phase of the project and that's the last bit that comes in. But yeah, they, the, the new TV gantry is, um, is certainly still very much on the agenda and I've hoped to see that completed very soon. Queues getting into the Fratton end seem to be taking longer with only four turnstiles on the north side. Will the club look at adding extra turnstiles? Yeah, I think on Tuesday nights it represents a bit of a challenge all round the ground. People tend to obviously naturally uh, tend to arrive later as they're coming in from work. Um, I have looked at this question in advance of the session that we've had and discussed it with Marie Steadman. So we've had a good look at the flow rates that come in the Fratton end. We're still very much compliant in, in terms of the way that works. Um, but naturally, uh, we'll keep an eye on that and continue to monitor it and see uh, what can be done to increase the flow uh, in that particular area at the moment, indeed, where we have any other, other pinch points and entry into the stadium. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the question. At the moment, we, 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 feel, it, we feel it works OK. Um, we're, getting, we're getting that flow rate through OK. But, um, you know, if we need to add extra turnstiles in the future, uh, if we have problems or aren't compliant, then we'd certainly need to do that. Gary asks, are we going to have LED advertising boards again? Uh, the answer is yes in the future. Uh, I, I, that is a contrary view to that in, in, in a lot of people saying that the, uh, the lighting from those boards was affecting their enjoyment of the game. What we're trying to do at the moment is obviously majority of stadiums in English football and indeed at most sports arena now have the digital boards. It obviously brings you increased revenue into the football club. Um, but the system we had was fairly archaic 
um, and the lux levels couldn't be uh, controlled. The lux levels obviously being the level of lighting, uh, that's the output from the boards. So um, we're working with a new company at the moment. It's likely that we'll try and get a wrap round uh, from the north stand first of all, and then see how we can wrap round a TV arc in the, both the Fratton and the Milton ends. But the beauty of that system will be we'll be able to adjust the lighting levels throughout the game. And obviously there'll be a different level for evening games than there will be in daylight in, in, in the afternoon. So yeah, they will be coming back over time, but it will take a, probably most of the season before we're in a position to get that new system in place, get the survey done, get all the, they obviously have to be signed off again by the safety advisory group because they block access, access onto the pitch. So you need to make sure that you've got the barriers kicked down that can enable supporters to come onto the pitch in the case of an emergency. So that, yeah, that will, that would, they will come back and it will add to the revenue of the football club. But equally, I want to make sure that we don't impair supporter enjoyment of the games. Chief Zek Andy Cullen there uh, with some very exciting words on the redevelopment of Fratton Park and the start of the next phase in mind to work on the North Stand. Listen to the full 42-minute Q&A there over on Pompey's YouTube channel, officialpfcyoutube.com. Um, you can find the full Q&A there with Andy Cullen. Right, in the third and final part of tonight's show, we'll ramp up our preview of this weekend's game and hear what John Massinho has had to say about his next opponent. Last week, probably a disappointing result for them not winning at Leighton Orient going back home. But certainly aside, if we look at a couple of those results in isolation, the Peterborough game, the Bolton game, they're a dangerous side. They've got um, plenty of firepower up front, players that I've come up against, players that I've played with. Stick around for the pre-match thoughts of the Blues boss, as well as the final roundup from myself, Mark and Joe. And a closer look into tomorrow's opponents, Carlisle, with Kirsty Roxanne, when the Football Hour reaches its conclusion after a short break. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Whether you're out with your mates, catching the latest blockbuster, or just enjoying late night bus rides, from 7pm every day, you can take advantage of a night Rider ticket, taking you from A to B and everywhere in between. Simply purchase your night Rider ticket on the bus or using the Stagecoach app to get unlimited travel anywhere on the whole of the Stagecoach South for just £2.50. The world is your oyster. Visit stagecoachbus.com for timetable and ticket information. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Welcome along for the final time to the Football Hour here on Express FM, driven to you by Stagecoach Across the South, now operating even more services in the Portsmouth area and beyond too. Visit stagecoachbus.com for more information on the routes they serve through Hampshire and across the South. Good evening to James M on the text tonight, who says, when we go down to an away goal, we never stop cheering, and you don't experience that at any other club. That is what makes James proud to be a Pompey fan. Right, Carlisle United are up next for the Blues then, who return to League One matters after almost a fortnight away due to the international break. Before we go any further with our preview of this weekend's game, Kirsty Roxanne has the lowdown on the Cumbrians, who return to the third tier via the League Two playoffs back in May. After last week's match at Northampton was postponed due to the international break, we head back to Fratton Park this time around to take on Carlisle United. Pompey Live, this week's opposition. After a goal-filled second half against Dingham, saw the Blues win 5-1 and go top of Group Stage M in the EFL Trophy. Last season's League 2 playoff winners, Carlisle, are put under the microscope for this one. They're returning to the third tier after a nine-year absence. Manager. Former professional footballer Paul Simpson is at the helm for the Cumbrians. 
Simpson started his playing career with Manchester City at the age of 15. He went on to play for Oxford United, Derby County, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Blackpool and Rochdale with loan spells at Finn Harps, Sheffield United and Walsall. Simpson also made three caps for England under-18s and five caps, scoring one goal for England under-21s. The now 57-year-old finished his playing career at Carlisle United in 2006. Overall, he had made 679 appearances and scored 150 goals in his 24 years playing professional football. Simpson started his managerial career when he stepped in as a player manager for Rochdale in 2002 after manager John Holland's departure. He moved back to his hometown the following season and became player manager for Carlisle United. He moved on to manage Preston North End in 2006 when they missed out on playoffs by goal difference. After a year and four months, Simpson was sacked and moved on to manage Shrewsbury Town, Stockport County, Northwich Victoria and England under-20s. In February 2022, Simpson returned to former club Carlisle United. He went on to sign a three-year contract only two months later. The following season, Simpson led Carlisle to a fifth-place finish, qualifying for playoffs. A win against Bradford City and defeating Stockport County on penalties, Carlisle won the 2023 playoff final at Wembley. One to watch. Fulham Loney, Terry Ablade is our one to watch this time around. The 22-year-old joined the Cumbrians in August this year. He had previously been on loan at AFC Wimbledon, where he had made 12 appearances for the side. Ablade is also a Finnish youth international, representing them at under-17, under-19 and under-21 levels. His first senior outing was recorded when he came on for the second half of the EFL Cup away meeting with Crawley. With power and pace, Ablade wears the number 12 shirt for Carlisle. Top scorer. The Cumbrian's top goal scorer so far this campaign is number 7, Jordan Gibson. Gibson signed with Carlisle in 2021, making a total of 98 appearances and scoring 11 goals in his first two seasons with the club in League Two. After promotion to League One, Gibson scored his first goal in the 90-plus sixth minute against Peterborough to secure a 1-1 draw. The 25-year-old winger scored a hat-trick on the road against Bolton in a 3-1 victory earlier this month. Current form. Carlisle currently sit 20th in the League One table on 11 points. Three points clear of the bottom four. With two victories, five draws and six defeats. Paul Simpson's side are currently bottom of their EFL Group C after defeats against Accrington Stanley and Nottingham Forest under-21s. The final opponent in their group is Harrogate Town. The last time these teams met was back in 2016-17 season when both clubs were in League Two. The Blues came out on top with a 3-0 victory at Brunton Park. Can the Blues maintain their position at the top of the League One table for another week? All of the Amispo action on Pompey Live. There we go then, Kirsty Roxanne with a closer look into Carlisle United, tomorrow's opponents at Fratton Park. Uh, Mark McGee, Joe Wood alongside us tonight for the Football Hour. Uh, just under 10 minutes to go until we do leave you at 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, Mark, some, of course, news from Pompey. Conor Ogilvie is expected to be back and available for selection for tomorrow's visit of the Cumbrians to PO4 from his recent injury. Jack Sparks has, of course, been playing in that position in his absence. Mark, very quickly, would you like to see Jack Sparks retain his place or do you think Conor Rogoffy comes straight into his side? Absolutely. Jack Sparks for me. Um, although, like, I, I think Ogilvy has a better all-round game. I, you can't take Jack Sparks out of, of our team at the moment. I think he's been fundamental in, in a lot of results. Um, I'm, I'm, forgive me if I'm mistaken, I, I think he might have even put in the corner for Corner Shaughnessy mm. uh, in, that, in that late dramatic win we got. Um, so I think yeah, 
I, I, I cannot see him being dropped, and I wouldn't. It wouldn't sit right with me if he was. No, he's been bagging plenty of assists, as Mark's alluded to there, Joe. In your opinion, again, very quickly, Jack Sparks or Carlo Ogilvy tomorrow? Sparks. Um, Carlisle down the bottom of the league for a reason. Um, this is a perfect opportunity to keep him going. Two wins all season for Carlisle United. 13 league matches played. The only reason, realistically, they're outside of the relegation zone is because of the points deductions given to Reading and Wigan. But as we all know, football is great and you can never predict what's going to happen. Pompey will have to be at the top of their game this weekend to beat Carlisle United and extend their unbeaten run to 24 league matches. But it's time now to hear from John Messini and his pre-match thoughts. Max Watson has been catching up with the gaffer ahead of tomorrow's visit at Carlisle. First asking how proud he felt to pick up the league Manager of a Month Award for September. Yeah, I think it reflects everything that the the football club has managed to um, get done. I think over the past few months, and um, yeah, the, the sort of uh, the individual honours. Uh, I think they're always nice. There's no point in shying away from that. But yeah, definitely reflective of everything the club's done, everything the staff's done, and, and the players as well. Ultimately, the players are the ones that have got to go and play and um, and you know put it in on the pitch and produce the results. So really, really pleased. I think for everyone at the club. How did the squad find their couple of days off, and how have they been since returning? Yeah, they've been great. We had, um, you know, we we had the game against Gillingham. We were in on the Wednesday after that, and then a few days off just to really recharge. We're going into another busy period next week. We've got two away games with the the Cambridge and the Reading game, and and obviously with um, the cup games coming up as well. You never know what's going to happen in terms of the schedule. So, uh, you know, we wanted to keep them fresh. We had a full week to come in and prepare for this week, and they came back in on Monday, a little reintroduction day, and then two sort of heavy days of training Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, they've responded brilliantly. I think it always helps when you've got the lads coming in fresh, just mentally more than anything. As well, because it was a really, really tough period that um, uh, you know that month of September and the beginning of October. I think everybody, obviously, that follows us as well, would have felt it. So maybe a nice um, breather for them too before they got to get on the road next week. But w- we felt the same way. There's been the time off. You've had the international break as well. So how can you and the squad carry on the momentum from before? You know, uh, what, what we want to do is keep focusing on the same things. And uh, the way that we saw it was that the time off was was you know, came at a good time. I think if we'd have had to play uh, a game, it would have been fine as well. But um, you know, when we were missing, you know, those sort of crucial players, it was it was good to get the time off. They go away with their with their countries, and, um, and some of them are featured, some of them haven't. So, um, yeah, I think for us, when we've we, we have a chance to actually train, which we haven't had a huge amount amount of, of chances to over the part, first couple of months of the season, I think that's always nice. We can start um, building again on a few of the things I think that have made us a decent side so far this year. So. You know, we welcome it. It's nice to be out on the training pitch and actually um, sort of work on the way we want to play. How much of a boost will it be to have Regan and Robbo back as well as the, the lads who are over Northern Ireland? Yeah, I mean, brilliant. I, you know, it was it was great for Regan to get his first cap for Wales, fully, fully deserved, and, and he did it in a, in a win as well, in a clean sheet. Um, I think Robbo was uh, was on the bench uh, for the first game against against England. Again, a real reflection of the way that he's, you know, how far he's come, I think, since um, since he's been at the football club. And, and certainly for us, it was a, it was a, you know, a real... You know, no, no surprise that he'd been selected and, and he'd been involved with the um, the men's national side. And I think Terry started the other night. He got a good 75 minutes under his belt for the for the under-21s at Northern Ireland. Uh, Paddy, unfortunately, hasn't featured on the bench um, a couple of times, but I'm sure a real, real good experience for him to go away with the, the national team. And it'll be great. It'll be great to have him back. We had um, a couple of the players back in the building today. Uh, I think Paddy and... Um, uh, Paddy and Terry are coming back in on Friday. And, yeah, to have the full complement in terms of the squad back is going to be great. What are you expecting from Carlisle this weekend? I think uh, you know Carlisle have obviously come up from uh, League Two last year, promotion winners, and, and they've taken the momentum from 
uh, from sort of the back end of the playoff game have, have competed well in the league this year. They've got some really good players. Uh, a side that beat Bolton a couple of weeks ago at Bolton, and, and we, you know, I say we all know what a good side Bolton are. We definitely know what a good side Bolton are. Uh, they they took a point off off Peterborough, and then, um, you know, last week probably a disappointing result for them not winning at Leighton Orient going back home. But certainly a side if we look at a couple of those results in isolation, the um, the Peterborough the Peterborough game, the Bolton game, they're a dangerous side. They've got um, plenty of firepower up front. Um, players that I've come up against, players that I've played with, uh, and yeah, they've got some really good um, experienced campaigners at this level and some good young players mixing in as well so yeah we expect um you know another good test on saturday and in terms of team selection what's the latest there yeah we've we've got the the internationals back and they've all come back um uh, you know mostly with it with a clean bill of health there's a couple that we've got to check on uh, and in terms of the other um sort of squad selection issues we've got cassini's back we obviously saw him playing in, in the efl trophy so he's come through that there were no injuries that we picked up on tuesday night against gillingham and yeah the other addition to the squad now is, is connor ogilvy back into full fitness john Massino's pre-match sports fair with max swat and pompey of course taken on carlisle united this weekend good evening to dave on the emails looking forward to getting back to fratton park tomorrow some interesting selection decisions for john Massino to make i think if it was an away match from connor ogilvy would probably come back in but i can see jack sparks retaining his place with connor on the bench alan swift says two up front Will John Messino be brave and play Yengi and Bishop together? This is an ideal chance against a lowly place, Carlisle. Robbo and Regan will certainly come back. A 3-0 win. Cheers, Alan and Salsi, for getting in touch. And yes, a reminder, but of course, both Regan Paul and Alex Robertson re returning from their respective suspensions for this weekend's game. Certainly selection dilemma for John Messino. Very quick score prediction, please, my friend, Mark McGee. Oh, I'm going to go with a 3-0 Pompey. 3-0 Pompey, that's exactly the same as my prediction. Joe Wood. 4-1 after a going a goal down, because that's what we do. Because that is what we do. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you very much, Mark. Hear more on a preview of tomorrow's visit of Carlisle United to Fratton Park when Pompey Life returns from 2 o'clock on Saturday. All the unmissable action. This is... Pompey Live. Portsmouth are top of League One and maybe slightly less importantly, top of the EFL Trophy Group. Abu Kamara with his left foot, curling it past the goalkeeper into the top corner from the edge of the box. Next up for the Blues, a 10-day break. After that, they'll welcome Carlisle to Fratton Park in League One. Join us for all of the unmissable action tomorrow from 2. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. That's right, Pompey Live returning this Saturday afternoon from 2 o'clock. Myself and Robbie James will be live from Fratton Park to bring you all of the action as Pompey take on Carlisle United in match day number 13 of this Skybet League One season. A big thank you to my two studio guests for this evening's conversation. First of all, Mark McGee for joining us over the powers of the internet tonight. Mark, thank you very much for calling in and I wish you a fantastic weekend, my friend. A lovely evening. Thanks for having me, Jake. And the same, of course, goes to Joe Wood in the studio this evening. Joe, thank you for coming in. Thank you very much, Jake. I had a lovely time. Oh, don't we ever. Enjoy the game tomorrow as well, my friend. Right, that is it from the Football Hour tonight, I'm afraid, but we've got plenty of fantastic shows coming up here on Express FM for the remainder of your evening, straight after the news at 7. School Days with Steve Randall, who says, if you remember riding the land train on South Sea Seafront, watching Back to the Future at the ABC Cinema on Commercial Road, or nights out at Granny's in the Tricorn Centre, then School Days is the show for you. Steve Randall brings you that from 7 through until 9, which is when Hipshaker returns from 9 through until 11. 
11, the place to be for a groovy blend of retro soul, R&B and beat music. Express Hits carries you over from 11 through to the early hours of Saturday, which is when Ian McGuinness returns with Express Breakfast from 8. But until then, Blues fans, have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in and good night.